Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show. On the Blackhawks Radio Network, here's Joe Brand. A couple gasps of some strong effort, a little bit of production from the top line, but definitely not enough as the Hawks fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-2 tonight from the United Center. A winless stretch now reaching six straight games. Hawks have dropped 14 out of their last 15, so... Maybe some success on the road. That's where the Hawks will be next. But right now we're recapping this 5-2 loss to Columbus. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 10.30 tonight here on 720 WGN. But first we're going to head on upstairs and bring in our pal Troy Murray's on the call with John Weideman, breaking down this 5-2 loss. And, Troy, we were talking about what the mentality is like in the Blackhawks dressing room in that second intermission and you know maybe a, a little bit more of a push from the Hawks in the third but when you dig yourselves in the kind of hole they did it makes it all that much more difficult to give yourself a fighting chance you like to see that goal but definitely a lot missing from this one tonight yeah and it just uh, boy right off the hop you know you're in the first shift here you want to get some energy you want to get things heading in the right direction after the uh, shutout loss to the Avs a few nights ago and and all of a sudden, 33 seconds in, you make a mistake and you don't get the save from Sauter Bloom. Not particularly his fault, but the bad giveaway. And uh, all of a sudden, you're chasing the score. I, I, I did like the fact, though, that when Kurashev scored late in the first period, you know, now you're right back in this game. Um, but uh, again, right off the bat, early on, Olivier wins a battle in front of the net and won that, uh, you know, a short side uh, backhand shot that. Soderblom has got to make that save. He's, that's you know that's just the the reality of it. He's getting paid to stop pucks, and he's got to make those saves. And that was a tough one because all of a sudden now you're back down by a couple goals early in the second period, and it just seems like they never really regrouped after that late effort there um, with Donato scoring the goal to make it four to two. And then really the play that that could have made the difference in this game was the, the Connor Bedard one on one opportunity against Merzlikens, but Merzlikens, he came up with the big save that he needed. If, if Chicago scores that one, this place is going to go crazy. United Center is going to be revved up. you still got lots of time to score the tying goal, but you, you know you need that timely save, and that you got that from Merzlikens on that uh, shot from Bedard. Well, Troy, it's, it's actually not all doom and gloom. Uh, we got a, a, a ray of sunshine here in the, the postgame booth. Oh, own... no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's Darren Pang. Uh, I must. That was the great analysis, Buzz. <laughs> you, you recapped the entire sequences of highs and lows, ebbs and flows, and perfectly placed them as well. And I'm watching the goal by Olivier right now on the backhander, Troy. And uh, and you are you're correct. I mean, that it's it's just it's just a play that if you stay on top of your crease and you just stay square to the shot instead of reverting to the re- the right knee down up tight against the the goalpost, then there is no hole there. And uh, and so that that was a bit of a momentum deflator right there. I would agree with you, Troy. Yeah, I mean, you know, Olivier is not a he's not a goal scorer, but he's a mucker and grinder. And Phillips had to be a little bit stronger on positioning on him, getting him out of that uh, that area. But you know, that's the save that that Soderblom just as you mentioned. I'm not a goaltender. You are. 
uh, you could kind of pick it out technically how uh, you know he 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 was maybe in in the wrong position there but that puck just can't go in and no, that's right. uh, you know that's where you know you look at it and it says you, you got back in it wasn't a great first period you chased it but you got the late goal by Kurashev which should give you some life mm-hmm. heading into the first intermission but 3 minutes into it you give up a goal like that and it's deflating and and and, and listen Arvid Soderblom is a great guy he's fighting some confidence right now there's no doubt about that but you know all of a sudden you know, you, you want to give him a chance to, to get into the games. And you know this. I mean, yeah. when you have a big mistake like that right off the bat and they, they score on you for Soderblom, I mean, he's got two wins on the season, both against Toronto, um, which was kind Amazingly of crazy. enough. Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, but, you know, you want to help the guy out. And just, you know, by making that mistake early on, boy, you put him in a tough situation. He doesn't make the save. And now his mind's got to be going 1,000 miles an hour. And it's especially that first play. It's the right play by Connor Bedard. It's the outlet that you've got, that you, you go to is which is your it, your weak side D jumping up the ice, and it just exploded off the back of Seth's blade, and uh, just a really unfortunate bounce and start to it because it's not like they were doing anything wrong in that play, on huh, Troy? I mean, that's how you execute the break. No, that, that was past your D. He probably yeah. was probably going to be a little give and go. Bedard would have a little bit of speed. And instead, it ends up right in the back of the net. And you could see the bench, Troy, uh, between the benches for this game tonight. And, and it was just a look of, you've got to be kidding me. Like, we've spent all day preparing. We've got a positive attitude. We're, we're going to rebound after that game against Colorado. And then that started that way. And uh, as our good buddy Dirk Graham liked to say, right off the hop, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that was, uh, I think that was critical to get off into this game on a better start. Yeah. You don't want to be down one nothing, you know, half a minute into the game. But, and I think that, that you know, the team's got to be a little bit fragile. And we were talking about, you know, what do you do after the second period? You're, you're down 4-2, to two, and you're heading into the third period, and it, or 4-1, to one, I should say. Yeah. Like, it... it I don't know if you could do the rah-rah, and I don't know if you want to go negative and, and, you know, start kicking cans and all that kind of stuff, and I don't know if Luke goes in there or not. But, you know, you, you had to find some some way to get some energy into this game, and you just really weren't able to do it. You didn't turn around anything in this game with a, with a big hit or, you know, maybe a, a scrap or something. Try and change it like Reese Johnson did in the game against Colorado. You just you just didn't have that, and and the feeling was, you know, you just you, you never got the the feeling where the, the the tempo had changed in this game where the Blackhawks started to take it over. So that was frustrating. But again, I think you know the the momentum changer is the big save by Merzlikens yes. on Connor Bedard. If yep. that goes in, it's four to three. You've got half a period left. The United Center is going to be going bonkers. You're going to have all kinds of energy, and that's the kind of save you need from your goaltender, and you got it tonight from Merzlikens. Same kind of save that Alex Lyon gave Detroit on Connor. Uh, yeah. You know, that would have sealed that victory uh, against uh, right. against Detroit, and it would have never oh, yeah. got to Patrick Kane's three-on-three uh, breakaway goal. Reimer. But um, and, and I said it on the air, Troy. It was, it that, was Reimer. It was Reimer. I'm sorry, Reimer, not, not Alex yeah, Lyon. My, yeah, 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 thank you. Um, uh, but the, the, um, the line itself, I thought, played really well. I thought they stuck to it. You know, they're, certainly they're frustrated. They come back, and, you know, the execution wasn't perfect. But I, I, I thought they worked hard. I thought Ryan Donato, is, he was like dog on a bone in a lot of plays. And, uh, and Kershaw was flying. From my vantage point anyway, Troy, 
Uh, they wanted the puck. They wanted to be the difference maker, and that's a great sign. They, they, their confidence never wavered. I didn't think the the the, the Bedard line. No, and I, you know, you could see you're right down by the bench, but you can see there's frustration yep. in Connor when he's coming off the ice when he doesn't make the plays or he doesn't get the results that he thinks he should. But you know, you, you got to have some patience with him. He's still 18 years of age, and he's playing in, you know, in the best world or best league in the world. But I, John and I were talking about Kurashev. They had a few years ago, before you got on board here, they, they had to make some decisions about who they were going to keep around. Kubalik, Pew Suter, um, Kurashev. And they elected to let those other guys go. And they saw something in Kurashev that I think he's rewarding them now, the way that he's playing the game. He, he's dominant when he's yep. out there. I mean, he wants the puck. He wants the, you know, to be the difference in the game. And I, I think that I agree with you that you know Donato uh, does a nice job in complimenting uh, the two guys, he's the hard-working guy, he goes to the front of the net, was rewarded with the goal in this one because of his hard play and, and putting himself in that position. But I also like the fact that Bedard goes in there and he finishes his check on the forecheck and that Absolutely. pops the puck loose. I mean, you know, a lot of times your skilled players are going to kind of circle away or, or pull up a little bit. He went in, finished the check, puck popped loose to Donato, quick little pass to, to Bedard and then Bedard to, to Kurashev. But, uh, you know, nice play all around. You, you, you got to feel for Bedard. You know, he's minus two in this game, but he played over 21 minutes and that's yeah. a really good sign that, you know, he's going to get those opportunities when you're trailing in the game. He's going to see more ice time and he's only going to get better. It's only going to help him serve him better down the road when he's in these situations. Troy, now he's a shot blocker. It, yeah. how, how do you like that unfortunate circumstance? He takes off one, I think it was his left. Yeah, late, right off the, the, the laces. laces first. And then it went off the right. I might have it wrong. He, he got it twice? It was twice. It went. It hit one and then hit the other one. Like oh, Just God. like it's it just ping-pong. Yeah. Left, yeah. left, right. And unfortunately, they, they score on that play. You know, I mean... I, I and I was I didn't see exactly what happened to begin with there I I, I didn't know how he went down but uh, you know when I looked up there he's down on the ice and then well, saw saw nope. it a little bit after there that's just one of those stingers right on the laces you know what's uh, what's not what's ironic about that and this is the 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 bad fortune of having a conversation I was explaining to him today about Chinikov's shot remember in the in the locker room Troy yeah yep. and and I said this guy can fire it I mean he's had some registered wrist shots at 100 miles an hour that's crazy and know what Connor said. Well, I'm not going to block. I, I won't. He said, "I won't get in the way of that. I won't get in the way of that poor guy." And it wasn't Chinikov. I don't think that fired that one, but nonetheless, he ends up blocking a shot and takes it. Take he'll, he'll have a wealth on that one, I'm sure. Well, and going back to his physicality too. I mean, that's an elevated part of his game since he's come back. I mean, we were talking about is he maybe going to lose a step with being a little gun shy, being out there after getting hit in New Jersey, but. That, that physicality has gone up a notch, and it resulted in a goal tonight. Absolutely. And did you see the play on that goal that he got, he got kind of a push-shove, Troy, from behind? And then he ends up, so he gets push-shoved, and then he goes right into Goodbranson. And his face goes right into the back of big number 44, who's about 240 pounds. And then he falls forward again. So the, uh, while the puck's going in the net, he is <laughs> flat on his stomach. I mean, he paid, some, he paid the price. Uh, they all did, that line. And you know what? They paid the price, and they were rewarded uh, on the score sheet. Not in, the, obviously, the win column, but they, they played hard. And uh, I think they set a, a good example in this hockey game. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, you, you love what you're seeing, and they work hard, and They've got some talent, and you got to you got to find some you know depth scoring as well, and uh, you know you're just not getting that. And, and again, you can't 
with a team that struggles offensively like the Hawks have uh, here as of late, uh, it's been it's been tough. And I think 18 goals in the 10 games that they had in, in the month of February, um, you know, that's <laughs> you're under two goals a game. And, and the Blackhawks, I, I think, are at the bottom of the uh, or second worst as far as um, goals for. Yeah, that's right. Um, Just over two. Yeah, yeah, they're they're two. So I mean, they're thirty first. Well, heading so. into tonight, they were last in the league. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So so now you you got to play a perfect game, and when you're you know all of a sudden when somebody scores a goal thirty three seconds into it, you've given the handicap rate to them. Now you got to figure out a way that you're going to have to get you know more goals, and that's just it's been a challenge. And I can I end it on one one note, Troy, because I'm going to. I'm going to bail out, leave you on your own here. I've got to catch an early flight to Atlanta tomorrow morning. But uh, the one thing that, that I'm, I really like is, and I know it's unfortunate because it's when the Hawks are behind, but when Kevin Dean throws Kevin Korchinski with Seth, uh, he, he makes plays. Like he, there was a play late in the game, Troy, where there was an icing, and uh, the Hawks had last change. And I, I, I mean, I just thought that he was going to, go out there down by two goals and, and put them on. They, they didn't do that. I think they kept Vlasic and Jones on the ice on that particular sequence. But I like, I like this kid's game more when he plays that way and when the Hawks are behind because he, he knows he's got to get up the ice. He knows he's got to get a play. I thought he made several really good plays in the offensive zone, Troy. And uh, do you remember there was a play in the defensive zone um, down to your left? I think it was in the first period. Play was kind of scrambling around. And a lot of times Korchinski finds himself drifting towards plays rather than staying into an area there. And Kevin Dean is really working on him to quiet his feet in the defensive zone, to kind of read the play rather than 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 going towards the play. And he stopped right in the front of the net, and the, the play came right to him. Right Broke to it him. Up. Just nice. like what Luke Richardson was talking to us today. That, yeah, they, it, they showed exactly. a million clips of stop in the slot. Yeah, don't, and, don't and, swoop and, by there. And he did that. And, I mean, you know, lo and behold, the puck came right to him, and he, he was in perfect position. Breakout, uh, you know, is on its way. So, yeah, I like Korchinski. The one thing I'd like to see him is, is once he starts carrying the puck, I'd like to have him be a little bit more decisive because sometimes he starts to skate up the ice and then he stops moving his feet. He's right. looking for passes. Well, as soon as you do that, you kind of take away the option of the speed. When you look at guys like Kale McCarr and, and uh, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver, always moving their feet, always doing it. So you, when you, you're trying to defend against that and somebody stops skating, well, as soon as somebody stops skating, they're looking to pass it. Right, they no longer become a threat. So I, I'd like to see him just have a little bit more assertiveness when he's going up the ice, to have that confidence, to have that ability that I'm going and I'm going to take this puck because I've got the ability to get back because I've got the speed. I feel like we totally saw that from him in training camp and at the prospect showcase. And granted, that's against different competition, but yeah. that makes me believe that after getting a year or two here in the league, that that will come naturally because that is such a big part of his game. I feel. Hey, it's a big jump. He's only 19, you know. I mean, you look at Connor Bedard, and, and he's 18, but Korchinski is only 19. And, he's again, you're playing in against the best players in the world. It's never easy to defend against him and then try and create offense. But, you know, give him a couple years as he fills in and understands the game. He's going to be great. Yeah, you can't teach calmness with the puck or the ability to dissect the neutral zone or the ability to put a puck on the tape. And, and from my vantage point, Troy, I think that's where there was a – 
little frustration from the forwards in this game. What, what I sensed was there were several times where they wanted to get in the offensive zone, they wanted to establish the down low game, punt it back to the points, go low to high, but there were several times where the defenseman didn't make you know, a, a, de- a decision to make a play. They made a decision just to throw it into a, an area that nobody was there. And I sent some frustration coming back from the forward saying, like, make a I, – I heard it several times. Make a play. Like, mm-hmm. we're available. And, uh, and then you see Zach Wierenski gets the pass from, I think, Ro- Roslevic, walks the line casually, mm-hmm. but he changed, his, he changed the direction of it. And that's what Kevin Korczynski can do real well on, on the Hawks side of it. But uh, that, that was an area that they wanted to establish it, and then they got a little frustrated because they, they weren't finishing anything off or getting a good, clean chance out of it. So Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that from up here. I mean, you know, and, and you've got, you know, Phillips is 22, Crevier 22, Vlasic is 21. I mean, <laughs> you know, you've yeah. got a lot of inexperience back there. Even and Megna, you know, has been a nice fit, and he, he's kind of calmed things down there in the back end. You know, he, he's not a guy that uh, can lead the rush. He's not a guy that can, you know, make those really good offensive plays. Then, uh, you know, I, I, I think Korczynski's kind of the, the logical guy back there. Seth Jones, um, you know, in some ways has, has struggled to kind of dictate the offense that you would hope that he would be able to do. But, you know, you got a lot of inexperience back there, so I know it's frustrating for the players when you when you think that you're open, when you think you have a chance to do something and the puck doesn't come to you, and, and now you're just trying to chase it down. But in a lot of ways, you, you know, you can't try and open it up because they don't have the skill, you know, throughout the lineup to play that type of game. So what, what's going to work best for you? I don't know. All right, fellas. Well said. Great stuff. Well said. Right, so thanks for swinging by, Panger. Muzz, I will see you in, uh, in Denver. Yeah, you're uh, going to go to Orlando and then uh, fly in tomorrow night late to Denver. So uh, I'll, I'll, see get the a bar. Good, I'll get a good night's sleep. <laughs> 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 That's Darren Pang. Troy Murray, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Monday. All righty. That's our pal Troy Murray. we got to get to a break. Uh, looks like Ryan Donato and uh, Luke Richardson chatting with the media. We'll hear from them when we come back as we recap this 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Blackhawks postgame show. Come join us, 312-981-7200. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. Taking you up to 1030 tonight here on 720 WGN. Set the puck over to Bean. Left wing to center ice front of the benches. He'll dump it down to the right corner. Hawk zone. This rides behind the net. Soderblom plays it around. Kershev now breaking through center into the jacket zone down the slot. He fires a backhand. He scores! Ryan Donato, I believe, is going to get credit for this goal. Kershev's shot was stopped initially by Merz Lincolns, who couldn't control the rebound, and Donato was able to place it in behind him. The Hawks get one back. And with 13.42 in the third, trail 4-2. Unfortunately, that was the last time the Hawks were able to score tonight. But a good effort from that top line. A nice shot by Ryan Donato, too, who picks up two points in tonight's game. One goal and one assist. You just heard it from John Weideman here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 1030 tonight. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. Really quick, we're going to give Ryan Donato... Our player with the most heart, which is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's leading heart and vascular program, top ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. Again, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. We're going to jump to the phone line, and I believe this is our guy Devin in Palis Hills 
uh, wants to talk about the Jackets' second goal. Go ahead, Devin. You're on WGN Radio. Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I thought tonight there were a lot of preventable goals that uh, that the Blue Jackets scored, but the second one that they scored I thought was, was frustrating in particular just because um, that one I thought was easily the most preventable in terms of uh, just fundamentals. Uh, Jacob Magna was uh, in the slot with Boone Jenner and had him tied up, and then right before Wierenski takes the shot, he, uh, he just leaves him wide open. He kind of drifts off and it allows Boone Jenner to get his stick on it, on the puck to deflect it right past Soderbaum. I just want to know what your thoughts on that is, because I felt like if he just ties him up the entire way, that's not happening. All right. Thank you, Devin. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call in or text in. Um, you know what? Hold that thought, because I want to get to it, but I want to go to some of these other callers, too, because I want to reference something I brought up in the last game, the 5 nothing shutout loss to the Colorado Avalanche, and it has to deal with youth on this Blackhawks roster right now that they're relying a lot on and uh, how that has been an issue. It looks like we're having a, a little bit of difficulty with the phone lines, but uh, here we go. Let's uh, let's go to Dave, who uh, has a thought on Seth Jones. Go ahead, Dave. You're on WGN Radio. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about Seth Jones tonight. I, uh, I've not been a fan of his since we got him, but lately I just – for the nine and a half million we're paying this guy, I know we can't trade him because no one's going to touch him and his contract. But his play has been brutal. He's not worth the nine and a half million dollars we're paying him, and I wish we could do something with this guy and get him off our team. Okay, Dave, thank you. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. If you'd like to call or text in, it looks like. Uh, a caller named John is trying to chime in as well. It sounds like John has kind of the, the same thing to say that Dave did. Um, okay, I, I understand the frustration with Seth Jones today. I, I'm not justifying his game tonight. I do want to point out, I mean, this kind of surprised me. He was he was even tonight. He was not uh, a minus one. He was even. He had two shots on goal, one attempt blocked, one hit, one giveaway. I think we remember that one, and five blocked shots. He played nearly, well, over 26 minutes on the ice, 26-19. We've had this conversation before. He is on contract that was signed by the previous regime. I understand if you're frustrated with that contract, but you can't blame the current regime for the contract that he's locked into. I understand the the first play of the game was was a rough one, and that one is kind of hard to defend. I mean, the puck just jumps right off his stick. Uh, there was enough blame to go around the entire team tonight for this loss, uh, but I understand how frustrating that can be. I I just I truly wonder how different fans' reaction would be to Seth Jones if this were like a a five and a half million dollar deal, right? Or or I don't know, maybe even six. Again, not justifying his game tonight. I do still think he brings a lot of good things. Does that kind of evenly weigh out everything? With the money he's making, no. But but I I get the frustration, but as Dave kind of said, the, the Hawks are kind of tied to this contract right now for some time, and I do still think there is a lot of value with having Seth Jones on your team. I really wonder what the perception would be like if he didn't sign, or rather, I shouldn't say that, if the Hawks didn't sign him to that much money. I mean, 
if if someone is offering you nine and a half million dollars, what are you going to do? Say no? It's it's just part of professional sports. It's part of the game. But I, I I'm, again, it it's not justifying his game. There there were mistakes tonight. There were a lot of mistakes going around. Um, Devin, the first caller, wanted to talk about the second goal, which honestly I thought was a little interesting. He thought that was the uh, most preventable. Yeah, that's the right terminology. Um, okay. His reasoning of Boone Jenner just kind of breaking away from Jacob Megna. Let's keep in mind when the Blackhawks got Jacob Megna and how they got him. They claimed him off waivers from Seattle. They were kind of depleted in the depth department on this roster. Like, they got a lot of guys on this roster. Zach Sanford. I know Rem Pitlick is with the Rockford Icehogs right now, but it goes back to the point that the Hawks are still relying on a lot of young players for this season. They're they're just relying on a lot of rookies to do a lot of the right things. So when a mistake happens, there's going to be a microscope on it. And other teams are typically going to take advantage of it. Definitely saw that in the last game against Colorado. Columbus did that tonight, too. They, they created their own chances, but they took advantage of the Blackhawks' mistakes, too. The Texier goal, the very first goal, okay. If we chalk that up on Seth Jones and Arvid Sutterbloom, so be it. Obviously, those two guys aren't rookies. Jacob Megna, not a rookie, but he is getting playing time right now because of the circumstances with the Hawks, I would assume so. There's a 2 nothing lead for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And kind of going back to what Troy and Darren Pang were talking about, the moment the Hawks give up a goal 33 seconds in, everyone's kind of on edge, especially the goaltender Arvid Sutterbloom, who probably feels like he has to play a perfect game because he's having a really tough go at it right now. Fast forward into the second period, the third goal by Columbus. Matthew Olivier makes it 3-1 with a backhand shot right in front of the net. As Darren Pang mentioned, Sutterbloom could probably do a better job of closing up that space from his, I believe it was his right arm and the near post. And maybe Isaac Phillips could put a little bit more of a stronger push on Olivier right there so he can't get a clean shot off. As Troy mentioned, that's not Olivier's game. He's not one of these finesse offensive players. Again, I know Sutterbloom's not a rookie, but Isaac Phillips practically is. There's a minor mistake that directly led to a goal thanks to a mistake by a rookie. Um, Let's see, later on, the Cole Sillinger goal, Connor Bedard goes down blocking a shot. Again, I've been really impressed with his physicality increase since coming back from injury. But Columbus basically had a, a pseudo power play in that moment because Bedard just could not do anything at that moment. It looked like his foot was numb after the shot he just took off. And then later on, an empty net goal by Johnny Goudreau. This was a frustrating game. It really was. It, and it, I think coming after the Colorado game makes it even more frustrating. So I understand why fans are kind of ticked off after this one because this isn't the response you were hoping for. And uh, I'm sure the players... Don't think that either. We're going to hear from Ryan Donato and uh, a few other Blackhawks players and uh, the head coach, Luke Richardson, as well. 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 10.30 tonight. 312-981-7200. We'll hear from the Blackhawks dressing room when we come back. 720 WGN. Here's Sillinger breaking through center ice over the Hawk line. Down the left side with a toe drag and a shot. And Bloom is down with a butterfly save. 
That's our Save of the Game, sponsored by ComEd for Business. ComEd, powering business, powering lives. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 10.30 tonight after a 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets here at the United Center. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. Uh, from the 708 area code, how much of this tonight was on Sutterbloom and how much was on the defense out of position? I stand by my original thought that there's really enough blame to go around uh, almost the entire team tonight. I, I don't think this is a lot like Peter Mrazek's loss in the last game against Colorado. Mrazek was like intentionally coming out of his net to try and cut off angles from the avalanche because there were so many quality chances coming from the Colorado Avalanche in that game. Tonight, I mean, Sutterbloom's two main criticisms, at least I believe, have been the rebounds he's coughed up and him being a little bit out of position in some certain areas. I don't think any, as I quickly skimmed down the goal list, I don't think any rebounds directly led to a goal in tonight's game. But there were a couple of really juicy ones that he coughed up. And then again, it it goes back to the Olivier backhand, where he's just in front of the net. Isaac Phillips could probably be a little bit more aggressive there, and Arvid Soderblom could probably close up that opening in between his arm and the post. And both things go the Jackets' way, and it goes to a goal. Going to hear from... Uh, Ryan Donato in just a moment, really quick, from the 708 area code. Sharks shootout loss tonight. The Blackhawks are in sole possession of last place. If we're going to lose, might as well root for the Sharks to get a point or two. I mean, that is part of it. Whether you're rooting for it or not, the Blackhawks are still back in the consideration of possibly getting the number one overall pick again. Remember, it is a lottery. It worked in the Hawks' favor last year, even though they finished with the third Worst record in the NHL. They currently sit at the basement of the NHL standing, so they would get the highest odds to land the top pick. But um, nothing is guaranteed in a lottery. Uh, let's hear from the Blackhawks forward, Ryan Donato. He had two points tonight. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's tough to say. I think, uh, obviously, it's all about building a culture, right? I think that's first and foremost. It's stuff uh, every night that we notice that we want to continue to harp on and, and grow as a team. And uh, Obviously, uh, it's not easy. When, uh, losing right like it's not a always a positive thing but you know uh, sometimes the messages are hard but you got to keep rolling and, and uh, grow as a team is it hard to grasp onto the positives and like you know and the things that you are building on when the losses pile up like this yeah i think anybody that uh is a hockey player is competitive like that they don't like losing no matter what the circumstances are so obviously it's uh, it's a tough pill to swallow uh, swallow to lose but at the end of the day there's there's a bigger picture at play and i think uh, guys know that but at the end of the day you still got to win, and it's tough. Uh, definitely a tough pill to swallow for us. How much is a, of a mental toll is it to to stay positive when you guys are losing? Yeah, it's not easy. Um, I mean, it's really hard to stay positive, right? But at the end of the day, you have to. I mean, it's it's a long season. There's a lot of ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and uh, if you're negative all the time, it's, it's just gonna be miserable, right? So you got to make sure you're you're staying positive, doing the right things, and, and growing as a team and as an organization. And I, I think the guys are doing a good job of that. How do you think you did on uh, playing on Bedard's line with Kershaw? It's hard to say, right? Uh, I think at the end of the day, I'm happy we finally got some offense going, but also we got to be responsible on our own end. Uh, a couple bounces go their way. Connor does a great job blocking a shot. Sometimes stuff happens, right? At the end of the day, it's about limiting their scoring chances and getting more for us. And uh, you know, it's tough tonight. I think we did one thing, but we also got to do it both ways, right? It can't just be one side, so. Did you really want that one? Uh, I think uh, 
Kurczynski served it up to you, and you're right there at the, the net. Which one? Uh, in the first period. I couldn't even tell you. Okay. I couldn't even tell you. I wish I could. I probably, probably gave me a great pass that I somehow screwed it up. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, obviously any chance you get, you want to bear down, especially for Kev who's making good plays like that. You talked about staying positive. What about with the younger players? How do you kind of teach them about staying positive and kind of grinding through some of these long stretches? Yeah, I think you tell them it's not our right to lose, right? That's the biggest thing. Uh, and they're, they're not comfortable with losing either, and I don't think that's it. But uh, I think you just got to learn how to play the game, learn how to play an 80-game season uh, or whatever it is and, and keep playing positive because at the end of the day, uh, there's so many things you can learn throughout the entire season, but if you're negative, it's really hard to, to harp on those things and grow as a team. So I think these young guys are hungry. They don't like losing, and that's a good thing, but I think that's the biggest uh, thing I take away from it, and I think that's a bright spot of the future is how sick these guys, sick of losing these guys are, and I think, uh, I think I'm happy to be a part of that, and hopefully you can grow from it. It's really hard to stay positive, but you have to. I mean, there's really no other way to put it other than, how Ryan Donato just did. Um, And when asked the question how he thought he did on the line with Bedard and Kurashev, he was a little humble there, but I I thought he did a very nice job. I know John Weidman was talking with Troy towards the end of the broadcast how he wants to see Nick Foligno back with them. Um, I I, I totally get it because Donato and Foligno both kind of bring the aspect of winning those battles down low, getting to the net, getting the puck, and and supplying the puck to those guys a, a little bit more efficiently. And then maybe Lucas Reichel, actually. we got some good news on Lucas Reichel uh, to get to eventually here on the postgame show. But, um, I mean, I thought Donato looked good on that line. Uh, but obviously, still a lot of other things have to start going better uh, for the Hawks moving forward. Uh, from the 708 area code, we're full of mediocre guys that get beat too many times on board battles. And, and Let's also point out how that's a little bit different than what we were talking about last year, too, right? The roster wasn't very impressive last year either by any means. Obviously, the Hawks finished third to last in the NHL standings, but we were a little bit more pleased with the effort level and the competitiveness for most of the games. I think the biggest difference is there's a lot more youth on this roster. There's a 19-year-old Kevin Korchinski. Um, Isaac Phillips is getting a lot more playing time. We're seeing guys like Jacob Megna and uh, Zach Sanford on this roster a little bit more. I mean, a lot of guys that didn't have spots to get a lot of consistent playing time with other teams earlier on this year that found their way here in Chicago with the Hawks for a new opportunity. And some have taken advantage of it a little bit better than others, but I I think that's the difference between the two rosters from last year to this year. Let's hear from Philip Kurashev before we go to our next break. Kurashev with the first goal for the Hawks tonight. Yeah, I mean, definitely not the way we wanted to start. Uh, I think we were doing a better job uh, games before starting. So, uh, yeah, it's tough when you go down early and uh, they couldn't come back. How much of a spark did Donato give you guys, you and, and Connor? Yeah, he, uh, he worked really hard and he got a lot of pucks back on the forecheck. So I think we could we couldn't create on that uh, tonight. So um, hopefully we can keep it. How much is the losing taking a, a mental toll on you guys in here? Yeah, it's really frustrating. Uh, you know, losing sucks, and uh, you know, especially when you play, uh, you know, bad, uh, and uh, you kind of deserve to lose. So um, it's frustrating. Is it uh, even more frustrating? You guys have been playing well at home. You at least had that, and then now that seems to turn. Yeah, it was. 
Uh, I think we definitely played better at home, uh, especially on that uh, home stand. You know, we used that to our advantage a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you play well and you lose, it doesn't matter. So um, you got to you got to win, and that's what we got to do. Connor, with that check on Nylander to knock the puck free on the first goal, have you seen him being a little bit more physical with that stuff? Yeah, uh, definitely. Especially, you know, a lot of their guys are physical on him, and I think he's using it uh, well for for positive energy and, 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 you know, get some more energy, and we feed off of that too. There seemed to be more turnovers than usual or kind of more glaring. Uh, What was going on? Uh, Was it something that the Jackets were doing or... Yeah, I think we were just overall not really executing today. Uh, you know, on our pass and stuff, they were never flat and um, just bouncing pucks. So um, we got to figure it out how to, to play in those uh, circumstances. And uh, yeah, we didn't do a good job today. Some good news about Philip Kurashev's buddy Lucas Reichel down in Rockford. He was the primary assist on the overtime game winning goal tonight for the Ice Hogs in a victory. And in six games with the Ice Hogs, Lucas Reichel has now recorded an assist in five of them. So good news for Lucas Reichel working on his confidence in his game down in the AHL. We'll take another break. We'll hear from the head coach, Luke Richardson, and then we'll take a look around the NHL before we wrap up this Blackhawks postgame show after a 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets here on 720 WGN. Forsberg in the corner trying to work his way up the boards. Down to the point. Clumped down by Taves. He rolls it up ice. Taves underneath from Eco Ranton and near side. Nathan McKinnon, two on one. McKinnon holding, shooting. He scores! The Mac attack again is back. Jack is 37th goal of the season. Point 101. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, this is a tie hockey game. That's our buddy. Connor McGahey, radio voice of the Colorado Avalanche, Altitude Sports Radio. And that is our next game preview, which is sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. The Blackhawks, dare I say, hit the road, a three-game road trip beginning on Monday as they'll visit Colorado, Arizona, and then Washington a week from today, next Saturday. The Predators, though, winning that game, that was the only goal for Colorado tonight, a 5-1 victory for Nashville, who extends their winning streak now to eight straight games. We're going to hear from Luke Richardson in just a moment. want to get to some text, though, really quick. From the 708 area code, kudos to the Blackhawks fans showing up, staying engaged, and paying those prices to see their product. Best fans in hockey. Yeah, I totally agree. 773 area code, Kurashev looks good. Richardson working hard. Team will be all right in a few years. And from the 708 area code, asking if Ryan Donato would get moved by the deadline. He's two years, or rather, uh, hold on, I got him on, uh, not cap friendly. Yeah, cap friendly. Uh, two more years at $2 million, I should say this year and next year for $2 million. That's an interesting one. I, I honestly didn't think about it too much. Um, I don't think Kyle Davidson's going to make a move just to make a move. He kind of did that a lot last year and even the year before during the draft, accumulating a lot of draft picks. He's got a lot of draft capital right now. I think he's holding a lot more value in guys on the ice and know what you're going to get from them. And Ryan Donato has showed a lot. Uh, especially just his versatility where he can play on almost any line and with anyone. Um, so I'd be I'd be surprised, and I, I feel like it'd have to be a deal that he could not turn down. I, I don't think Ryan Donato is untouchable by any means, but I think it's just a different circumstance, uh, this trade deadline go-around. Let's hear from the head coach, Luke Richardson. 
Yeah, no, it wasn't a. Uh, it was a real sloppy game by us right from the start for sure. But uh, you know, and then I think you know maybe getting off to a slow start or not a terrible start, and I think we just played really slow. We kept turning pucks back, and and they kept coming at us. So it's kind of a bad combination. Uh, and then we started to play a little bit faster at times in the second, and then I think the start of the third. I think Dickinson line really tried to show us the way and play right. And when it's bouncing on you and it's bouncing against you, you have to just simplify and slash and support and just advance the puck and just play in the other team's zone. And we just couldn't figure that out uh, quick enough. How draining has the losing been, especially for the young guys in the locker room? Yeah, I think it hasn't been bad because, uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, over the last month, I thought we've really competed hard. We've been in most games, you know, 2-1 two, two loss or 2 nothing loss with empty net. Uh, you can live with when you're, we're we're playing the right way we're playing hard we're really competitive making it a tough night on the other team and uh you know really close to getting over that hump but you can't fold the tent with one kind of disappointing loss against a really good team of colorado and then and then just disregard the the structure of how we're supposed to play and compete until we can get out of it and get a little bit of puck luck and score some goals uh we can't just decide to you know go our own path and, and that's kind of the way it went tonight so uh, you know, maybe you need something like this to unravel uh, where we didn't play well and we lost instead of losing and playing hard in the right way uh, to kind of dial it in and bring it back to ground zero and start start structure from, from the bottom up again. You, you look at some of the turnovers and, you know, just some of them just uncharacteristic. It's like hockey's version of the yips going on tonight. A little bit. Yeah, I think uh, just... Not composed, right? On uh, even on the power play, we get the puck and we panic and throw it away when they're actually retreating into. We're throwing it right into that area instead of maybe taking a step and having some composure and feeling and looking and talking with each other. And, uh, just not not a smart game. Like a, even on the change on the power play, you're disappointed in the play. So three guys change. They're smart. They take off and they get a three on one. Um, I think Seth that actually had to take a penalty on that. So uh, you know. Things like that. Like I think we're on four and four. The the power their penalty is running out, and we turn the puck over the blue line in the second period instead of dumping it in. Thirteen games in the NHL tonight, but one of the most exciting ones was in Toronto. So we start round four with Domi. This move, though. There's what we were talking about. As soon as Shesterkin goes down, Domi knows he's got him. That's former Blackhawk Max Domi with the shootout game-winning goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs over the New York Rangers 4-3. The Rangers, though, have picked up points in 14 out of their last 16 games. But again, Toronto with the victory, their 35th win of the year. Blackhawks hockey's been sponsored by Sitco. When you start with Sitco, you're good to go. United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers. Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time, and Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to all the help back at the WGN Radio Studios, our production crew of Patrick Hennessy doing the solo work, and our engineer, Captain Brett Jackson. Here at the United Center, Jack Heinrich was our reporter. Our Hall of Fame engineer was Paul Zarain. John Wideman and Troy Murray had the call. We also had some help from our own Darren Pang. For everyone that I mentioned, I'm Joe Brand.